0: Welcome to Mid-Faith Crisis Podcast, uh, this is the, uh, what is episode three? It is. Three episodes, three episodes Joe. <laughs> I know, it's I know. a miracle. Um, three episodes and we haven't been sued, that's the main thing. I know, thing.
1: and it's so Trinitarian.
0: Yeah, it is, how <laughs> oh, good. Um, so, uh, yeah, welcome again, thank you um, for uh, tuning in, or for subscribing, or whatever it is you do in these modern things. My name's Nick Page, I'm a writer, speaker, uh, historian um, layabout and i am joined as ever by uh, joe davis introduce yourself Joe. thank you
1: i'm a baptist minister and a celebrant locally in the worthing area
0: so joe the thing is after a few podcasts obviously we're relaxed into it and uh, you know we're we're, we're getting there I you'd think like I to ought- think so yeah well i ought to remind <laughs> you that this is a family friendly podcast and well, hang on, so- what does that actually mean well what it means is you 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 can't swear but but can i say well no not not really can i say no you know you can't can say I, that either
1: can i call you at some point a complete and utter...
0: <laughs> no you <laughs> <We> can't
1: <laughs> i mean that that is actually true though
0: Well, it's, it's technically true <laughs> i right? I mean, to be honest, it's, it's literally and metaphorically true. But actually, no, you can't. You oh, no, it's very liberating. You can't. Anyway, okay. um, so just <laughs> get that, that So if you do, it will be bleeped out. That's what Okay, I'm saying, really. fair enough.
1: Anyway. No, no, okay, good point. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Well,
0: anyhow, I thought it would be good if we started this with a Bible reading. Good. Okay, good. Well done. So I've chosen something from the Song of Songs. Here we go. I saw my beloved and she had a... <laughs> and I anointed her with my... And he looked like a gazelle. <laughs> so it's one of my favourite verses, and I think that's very uplifting for all of us. It is. it is. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Uh, how's your week been? It's been good. Yeah, it's been busy. Busy. A lot of people pegging uh, out in the Worthing area. Uh,
1: d- yes, that that is undoubtedly true. But it's been. Um, It's been great. I I went to a poetry reading. You'd be very proud of me as a literary person. Really? Yeah, I did.
0: Was it limericks?
1: No, it wasn't limericks. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's the kind
0: of poetry that you normally write on Yes, (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) But uh, I went to see the very, very wonderful Ian Adams, who's written brilliant books, including Cave Refectory Road and... uh, Um, something about rocks which i haven't bought yet which i'm going to anyway he is a fantastic poet and what i discovered was this nick page that i prefer listening to poetry than reading it but i generally got the whole thing that you paint pictures with words Mm. and i got Mm. that through hearing it whereas i never get that reading it so there you go ian adams wonderful wonderful, man wonderful evening fantastic really enjoyed it
0: fantastic anyway what about you
1: what you been up to
0: Oh, you know, more Reformation. Writing a um, book on
1: Reformation.
0: I went to see Doctor Strange. Oh, yes. Me he too. Says I'm, he says I'm doing well. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. it's a very unusual way of testing my reflexes. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I quite like that. That was all right. Yeah. Strange was all right. Bit of fun. Uh, I went to church, a sang a few songs. Did you sang one of your sang one of your favourites? Oh which
1: one? Which one? <laughs> there are <laughs> the, so many to choose from.
0: The uh the, the mathematically challenged one. Uh was it the Godhead three and one?
1: Oh, one Where of went? my great favourites. The Godhead <laughs> yeah. three and one, father, spirit, son, the lion and the lamb. <laughs> Hang about. That's five.
0: So then they
1: repeat <laughs> don't they repeat it. Yeah, so that's ten.
0: Well, that's nine, isn't it? It's just, it's <laughs> the lion and the lamb. No, seven. Hang on. No, hang
1: on. There's, there's there's three. The, one, God of the Three isn't the lion and the lamb. The lion and the, the, lion the, lamb. And the lamb. That's, that's seven. Four,
0: two li- two lions, two lambs, and the Godhead.
1: That's and right. isn't that an instance of the laziest songwriting? I mean, I, I mean, I love that. Song. I mean, who doesn't like rousing? How great is our God? We love that yeah. sort of thing. Mm. But. But that is the most ridiculous line. The Godhead 3-in-1, I get that. Father, Spirit, mm. Son. I almost understand what that means. But I really don't get how you throw in something that sounds biblical but has nothing to do with anything. Yes. Yeah. The Lion and the Lamb. Well, it's,
0: um, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it might have been the songwriter's favourite pub. I'm not sure. <laughs> do you think it, I you see it down take, The Lion and the Lamb. It's quiz it's night. Have taken paid advertising <laughs> for it. <laughs> it was a toss-up because it could have ended up being the, the Godhead three-in-one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Golden Dragon,
1: <laughs> you know, the White
0: Heart. Anyway, yes. Right. Well, we should we should get on anyway. Have we sense. got any um, feedback this week? Yes, we've had a few
1: emails, and instantly on that note, please do. Uh, contact us we'd love to hear from you
0: Uh,
1: you can contact nick at midfaithcrisis.org or joe at midfaithcrisis.org but anyway here the latter
0: is better if you want an answer
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes indeed (laughs) so i mean actually these are not comedic i mean
0: Mm. it's
1: quite funny when we started this podcast i thought well this will be fun because we're talking about something that we both care about and actually we like each other and we can have fun and all the rest of it but What's coming in is some quite serious and quite heartbreaking stories, um, not all of which we share, but one of them said this. Um, so this is, this is quite typical, actually, of things. But he says, one of the tough things about moving out of the traditional church thing is moving away from the folk you have made relationships with. You discover that it seems that much of, much of it was conditioning on being part of the fellowship, believing the same things. And if you change, then you lose that. And so what this person was saying is that how much of it is genuine, he went on to say actually, how much is genuine friendship Uh. and how much is actually, no, we've we've all sort of made this unwritten contract to turn up together and believe the same things. And if you start questioning that, which you have to do, of course, if you want to get through your mid-faith crisis... um, uh, it, 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 he's saying that it, he perceives that the relationships turned out to be quite shallow, and even the people he thought really would care, you know, suddenly are boycotting him and not talking to him and ignoring him, and it, mm. and it was really sad. And I wish I had something wise and good to say about that, but actually, I just I feel a great imme- immense amount of compassion <laughs> because uh, I, I kind that's, of understand I think it's that.
0: True, it's, it's, it can be the case. Um, I mean, I suppose the flip side of that is when you're in um, fellowship with people, Mm. you know, that you're often... Thank you for being so biblical. Thank you. Uh, Part of uh, being, you know, in a Christian community is that actually... They're not necessarily people who you would normally be... or a lot of them aren't necessarily sure. people who you would normally be friends with. Yeah. You know, that's just the nature of it. And that's of the of glorious so thing about it, in it point is, It is, it yeah. is. That's the, that's the positive side of it. The negative, I suppose, is this thing, yeah, you can slip away very easily. I don't really know what to say to that, except I suppose it's beholden on on us who stay in church is to make sure that people, you know, we keep contact. We don't behave like that, really. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. it is easy to... It's so easy, I think, for people love to Love people because you love people, out.
1: not because... They think the same way you do.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a challenge there, I think. Yeah.
1: And there was one more bit of correspondence on a, a similar thing. And uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to share names because it was, it was quite sad, but it was poignant. And they said this, what do you do when you realise the church doesn't really need you? In fact, you've become a bit needy, but not with anything church can help with. And you realise the only reason you're going is you're afraid you'll lose faith if you don't. But then you worry that maybe you're losing it anyway. So you can probably hear in that, I won't repeat it, but you can probably Mm. hear in that a a certain amount of pain. I doubt this person is needy at all.
0: Mm. But
1: they're feeling like, you know, what do you do when, when you're serving the church and you're doing this stuff, but actually you feel like the church isn't really scratching where you itch and then you're worrying, well, perhaps you're losing faith that maybe the church thinks it's better off without you anyway. So, I mean, again, those were two sad bits of correspondence, but I wanted to read them out because it just shows how real this kind of mid-faith is. And I think both of those those letters or emails, as the case may be, really reveal how real this is. You start to question the validity of relationships, the validity of your role in the church. It's really vulnerable, isolating, lonely... Pretty desperate stuff. This, and well, that's I why we're doing this It doesn't podcast. have to be. I
0: mean, the the the, the, the issue, one of the issues, issues is because because we're not used to talking about it in churches. We don't actually have the structures set up to support that. So of course, the moment yeah. somebody says, "Well, you know, I I I've, I'm really struggling here," we don't. There's no there's no sort of group around them. I mean, I I meet with. The, uh, occasionally with a group of guys just to talk sort of really honestly about where we're at. Yeah. And it's it's the most um, supportive and enriching sort of meeting, really. And it's very unusual because you don't get that.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, It's
0: not like a house group. I mean, I'm not saying house groups can't do this. They could do this. But I suspect that actually you you really do need some support structures in your life. I think a lot yeah. of the time as, as blokes, we have a lot of mates, but we don't have many friends. We don't have people who you can really... Well, we don't feel that who you can really yeah. be honest with yeah um sure. so i think that's really important to, to both offer that and to sort of um encourage that depth uh, yeah w- within church sure. well i've anyway that's uh, thank you do keep writing in and, and actually if you've Please got do. any reflections yeah. if you've got any reflections on what you've just heard any help because as you can see yeah, we're we're not much use generally yeah, we need help uh, yeah, so do, do, um, do write in, please. That would be great. So I've got a letter here from another correspondent, and it's from uh, Mrs Ethel Saddleperson, who wrote in last time. It's lovely to have her yeah, writing in lovely. again. Isn't it? And she writes this. She says, Dear Gardener's Question Time, I'm still, wait- <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear your advice about the strange growth on my dahlias. Also, attached, you can find a picture of an unusually shaped courgette which has appeared in my greenhouse. But no doubt you'll ignore that as well. Anyway, if you're not going to answer my gardening queries, then at least tell me what, if anything, we can do to address our narratives about God. He is, as we all know, a very old being with a beard, and I am made in his image yours <laughs> ethel yours Ethel, sad old person, brackets misses so um... isn't that fantastic because that was exactly the subject I
1: was going to address really it is it's it's almost uncanny
0: yeah, it is uncanny, so. <laughs> Our
1: narratives of God.
0: Yeah, so we're
1: looking at the whole mid-faith crisis. uh, uh, And what I really really want to suggest in this is that we need to become uh, far more atheistic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) In our narratives of God. And we need to take very, very seriously indeed what Jesus said when he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And I think we probably, for most of us, in the lead up to our mid-faith crisis, we haven't done enough of both of those things. But the truth is, you know, in this podcast, we are going to tread on some pretty sacred cows, I think, that
0: people That's have. That's quite clever, actually. Is it? What, to tread on a sacred cow? I think. <laughs> <Yes>. That's <laughs> virtually acrobatic. Well, you've
1: got to be quite tall, for start. <laughs>
0: it does depend
1: on the size of the cow. But seriously, I, I mean, I don't mean... To be glib about it and most of us have grown up in a system those of us who have grown up with any sort of you know faith church type background in quite a, a sort of tight system of belief perhaps the necessary foundation the number one building block is we're going to have to rid ourselves of our notion of what god is i think we've got to start with god that word god that has so much baggage and is so loaded and means so many things to so many different people.
0: Well, let, let me read you something here because I'm reading this book at the moment um, called *The Christ Like God* by John V. Taylor, who was a, a bishop actually some while back. And uh, it's it's one of those books that it's quite hard for a bear a little brain like me. I have to read every sentence twice. But it opens it opens with this this um, paragraph. So listen to this. I'm amazed that so few religious people ever stop and think about God. The thought of him may often be in their minds, but they do not explore it. It does not grow. It's not allowed to change. His name may be on their lips and a sense of his reality in their prayers. But giving God a thought, however devoutly or frequently, is not the same as thinking about him. Mm, so. I, I thought that was brilliant because I, oh, I think that's God. absolutely right. Think I think about that. Yeah, well, yeah. Do you know but it, what he's saying is we... We talk about God and we yeah. pray to God and we think we give Him a thought. You know, we yeah. acknowledge Him.
1: Yeah.
0: But actually, thinking about Him, what He really is, or who who He really is, what the nature of God is. Yes, I think that, yes. that requires a lot of brain power. Yes, really. Yeah, this
1: having these sort of conversations doesn't generally, indeed, church leaders like I was because. You know, this is a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of work to think it through. And actually, if you're an average church leader, all you're trying to do is do the best you can to deal with all the problems that are coming your way. And actually, you do with the best will in the world, you do not have time to address these things, important as they are. In fact, fundamental, I think, as they are. Uh, It's interesting, there was a, a famous Jewish philosopher called Martin Buber, and he said, yeah, he proposed a moratorium on the word God. He said, "He said, I th- I think we should, we should actually abandon the word God because it is come, it has come so loaded. We should ban. It wasn't that he didn't believe in God. He's just like that. That word God is now so loaded. We should probably do away with it. Not to be confused with uh, uh, Michael Bublé, by the way.
0: Michael Bublé, yeah. Who was another theologian. Ah. <laughs> uh... uh, but slightly different. <laughs> uh, so, okay. If I knew any Michael Bublé songs, I'd have burst into them. Yeah. I don't, I don't really but,
1: the, but the point is here: a, a, a God has, you know, that term, that word, God, and, and I am trying, even in my speaking, to, to use that word less. I speak about the divine more because it has less association and less baggage. And, and I completely agree with the Franciscan Richard Raw, who says the common Christian understanding of God is pagan. It's Zeus. You know, we yeah. get this idea, God somehow is God the Father and he's powerful and he sits far away in safety, judging us on earth. And that is in, in some sort of conscious or, or most of the time, I think, subconscious. That is our functional view. Of who God is. He's a super being. He's an object. He's out there. And yes he loves us. But ultimately if we don't repent. And confess our sins. um, You know he'll get us. In my job. And this is what's really. Sorry I'll just say this. And then you feel free to interrupt me. This is what's so frustrating. Well I was trying to. Yeah I know. But this is what's so frustrating in my job. I meet with people all the time. And they say they're atheists. And I say well talk to me about that and you know a lot of the time because i'm organizing funerals they say we want an eighth athe- you know we, we want a totally non-religious funeral and then they will come and bring poems and tributes and they'll say things like i know you're looking down on us from up there and i know you're reunited wow. with mum and i know you and i'm thinking hang on this is packed full of spiritual language and it turns out that what they're atheist about is the same thing i'm atheist about the god that they think doesn't exist doesn't exist Mm. This God who is a, is a bit of an ogre, he sits above the clouds, he's distant, he he judges, he said, but he's in charge of heaven, which is the place we go to after we die, of course. And, you know, that's his job description. And and uh, lots of people, especially people who have encountered suffering, who've ens- encountered the death of a child or hardship or something like that, they say, I do not believe that that God doesn't exist. Mm. To which I say, I completely agree that God doesn't exist. The way you're conceiving God in that way simply doesn't exist. And if you believe in that kind of God, you're going to have the most almighty mid-faith crisis because it, you know, it it's disturbing. It's unsettling.
0: Well, it's, some people do, and some people don't. Some people some people go through all their life believing in that kind of God, don't they? I mean, that you know that. The, the judgmental God and and we have to acknowledge at some point and talk about the fact that there is an element of that in in, in scripture but well, that's um, why
1: we need another episode on scripture now well
0: on of course we do yeah um, uh, you can we, deal with if, that one if yeah. we ever make it past three <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know so can some people be taken don't, off air? some people don't change no no only if only if we say words like
1: oh that word again
0: yeah yeah
1: and what about this one <laughs> no you can't
0: you can't say that you can do it, but because we can't see it, but what well, you we can't say. Anyway, no. The thing is, some people, you know, they 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 do believe in that the whole life, and maybe that's because they're okay with that. Maybe their theology acknowledges that, or maybe yeah. it's because, like that opening of the Taylor book, they're not really going to think about God. They're just going to sort of park him in a certain position really but and, and what i wanted to say was we've got to have metaphors so you know when you say well i don't want to talk about god i don't want to use that word god i want to use the word divine the divine yeah. which i think makes you sound a bit like a you know some kind of yogi of some kind
1: <laughs> do you do yoga i i don't i tried did you but i couldn't i fell
0: over <laughs> <laughs> did you <laughs> never do it on cold liner that's the trick but um the thing is uh, we've got to have we've got to have some kind of metaphors, we have to use some kind of images of God, don't we
1: and that's yes, we do and and the most dominant one of course is to say, well God is a Father, and the reason yeah. that's the most dominant is because Jesus said, "Call God daddy, call God Abba, fact, he used an intimate form, I mean maybe it's not daddy, there's an argument about that, but you know this idea that it's an intimate father, but of course, if you say God's like a father, well. You have to then say, well, God isn't quite like a father. Yeah, and what kind of father is it? Is he like a third-century, you know, peasant f- father, or is he like a twenty-first-century American father, or is he like, you yeah, know, what do you mean? Uh, uh. Then you say God is a father because those two things are hugely, hugely different. So the minute you say, well, God's like a father, you have to say, yeah, but he's not actually a father and you know this this thing about trinity ends up confusing people and the trinity I've come to realize you know through my own mid-faith crisis is perhaps the most essential foundational fundamental doctrine of who God is it's absolutely wonderful Mm. but if your concept of the if your functional concept let me put it that way is God is a father and a son and a floaty thing and I'm sorry to be crude about it but (laughs) But my experience is people of oh, the
0: sun and floating. Yeah, but
1: my experience is people genuinely think this way, Nick. Yeah. And and so they and, and so we see one god or we see three gods? And in any case, even if God is three and one, you know, everyone knows the the big bossy angry fathers in charge anyway. So
0: it's it's messed up. If we don't use those standard images as metaphors to talk about uh, God what what do we use joe what we've got to have something to put in its way and of course we understand that god whenever we talk about god you know uh, god is the context actually god is he in whom we we live and move and have our being yes so you know the idea of so all these things are um you know yes yes that is what what god is but it's also not what god is you know yes there's always limitations.
1: That's that apophatic thing. As soon as you say God's... Sorry? Oh, well... Apophatic? The apophatic tradition... Or negative theology. Look at me!
0: Yeah. I've done theology. Gone <laughs> well, it. Apathetic. I, Explain I did do theology.
1: Well, it's just that you—the second you say God is something, you have to say, "But God is not really something." So there are yeah. there are traditions and there are metaphors, and that's all we've got. All we've got is language to describe something that is completely undescribable. So you know, the Bible uses lots of different language to describe God. God's like a mother hen. We don't, mm. we, you know, we don't talk about the henship of God. <laughs> we, but we, but we really should. But we probably should more. And so, so anyway, just to ground this, you know, the point I'm trying to make is we have to change our narratives of God. And if your dominant story, your dominant idea, Of who God is. God is some distant super being. You know God lives in the universe far far away. To use Star Wars theology. (laughs) In a galaxy far far away. Where everything is just happening tickety boo. You know. Well I think that's unhelpful. But if you could start to make the shift. From God as super being. To what some people call the ground of being. Then I know language is limited. But what I mean by that is. What if God isn't out there? But what if God is all there is? What if God is being itself? What Mm. if God is in all things? And I'm not talking about some weird Eastern philosophy here. I'm talking about biblical theology. I'm talking about... If you're interested, you know, Colossians 1, the cosmic Christ. What if the Christ is the force behind everything? And, and what I think is so exciting about this, and I'm going to see, you know, Brian Cox in a couple of weeks time, I'm quite a fan of him, and he will call himself an atheist, incidentally. But, you, you know, what if supposing science is right about the origins of the universe? Supposing everything did come from a singularity? Supposing the universe exploded and is still expanding and it came from a single point. And what if Christ was in all of that? And therefore, if Christ is in everything, if Christ is all there is, if he's in in the distance between us, if he's in every atom, if he's in every subatomic particle and in the distance between all those subatomic particles, what if God is in everything that is? Well, suddenly now there is a great connection between me... And everything else, and nature. So a lot of people say to me, you know what, I really struggle to pray. And I sit in my room and I open my Bible and I close my eyes and put my hands together, whatever it is. And I try and pray, but I don't find it. But you know, sometimes when I'm out and I just watch a sunset or I'm out in the forest and I look at the trees, I just have this great sense of God. I think, well, of course you do. Of course you do. Because it's made from the same stuff. I mean, I I just think this is so exciting, and so, so I you know I want to encourage people if they're if they're stuck or they're hung up or if God feels distant and not in any way connected with them, well go out and study nature for a while, go out and just sit and watch a spider build a web or watch a sunset or watch a sunrise or watch the tide coming in and then the tide going out again or. Or, or feel the coldness of the winter coming on your skin. Or look into your child's eyes. Or observe something in creation. Whatever it is you can do near wherever you live. Because these are great teachers about who God really is. And, and there's so much more I want to say about defining God as love and everything. But this podcast should end soon.
0: I think next time, Joe, we should perhaps then talk and now that people probably have dismissed both of us as thoroughly unbiblical yes um and, <laughs> and, and not should, for the first time sh- no shall we talk about what i like to call the holy Bibly, yes. or holy bible as it's often pronounced yes yeah, Shall we talk about it yeah, i right, think we, we should definitely about do the bible, that what, what let's is, do what, that what it, what
1: and is, you stuff. you know that stuff so that's good And please let's encourage people to get in touch with us. Is this helpful? Is it not helpful? Even you can write in with that. Contact Nick at midfaithcrisis.org or Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Yeah, Joe at midfaithcrisis.org is the one, really. Anyway, uh, that's for great. And um, thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back back in a couple of weeks.
1: Yes, thank you. Goodbye. Bye.